Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Anybody love Jesus here today? Anybody ready for the Word? Father, thank you this morning for my wonderful family here, and I pray your richest blessing on us. Lord, open our hearts to understand, our minds to receive the exact Word that each of us need to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, Pastor was giving a building update. Whoever is in charge of ushers and greeters, I want to sign up right now when you have the grand opening. I want to be a greeter at the door holding one of those signs. I'm like David. I'm just happy to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. So put me on the greeter team that day. I'm going to be here greeting people as they come in, all right? I want to be here with you and celebrate. Let me ask you something. Have you ever wished you lived in a different time than today? You know, as a boy, I grew up watching uh, all the Westerns on TV. I grew up on a farm. I had a pony before I had a tricycle, thanks to my papa, my grandfather. And so I grew up on horses. Rose and I used to train and show registered quarter horses. In fact, I'm a licensed farrier. If you don't know what that is, it's a horseshoe. I've got scars in my fingers to show you if you don't believe it. I still have my anvil and all of my tools. I did a lot of things in my desert experience on the way to becoming a pastor. I always wanted to live in that time, you know, the, 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 the Wild West time. How about Noah's time? You're talking about a building program. His building program was 100 years long. But can you imagine watching all those animals go up in that ark? Wow. How about Moses standing before the Red Sea and holding that stick out over the water and the wind of God coming and opening up that sea and going over on dry ground and the Pharaoh's army being destroyed? How about when David pulled that rock out of his pocket, put it in that sling, and this big old guy's cussing him and cursing God, and he says, yeah, you just wait, pow, and dropped him like a rock. And you know, the best would have been when Jesus walked on planet Earth with his 12 disciples and watching him perform those miracles. You know, the best of the best, though, would have been by the tomb on resurrection morning when the angel said, he's not here. He's, he's, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Man, that would have been an incredible time to live. But you know that people like Noah, Moses, David, the 12 disciples, and even Jesus had one thing in common. They were born for such a time. And you know what? You were born for such a time. God had you formed in your mother's womb, born for such a time as this right now. Turn to somebody, tell them he's talking to you right now. Come on. You know, one of the most famous stories uh, and quoted stories in the Bible is found in the book of Esther. The book of Esther. Historically, it originates in the Persian Empire sometime between 486 and 465 B.C. This empire was made up of 127 provinces that spanned from India to northern Africa and Ethiopia and all across the Middle East. This empire was massive. It was ruled by Ahasuerus, or he was better known as Xerxes I. In the first chapter of Esther, we read where the king had a massive feast for all of his governors and and princes and all of his special people, and he he invited all of them. The feast was so massive, it lasted for 180 days. Now, that's a party, 180 days. And at one point during his massive feast and party, 
he decided to show off his queen. Her name was Vashti. Now, at the same time, she threw a party and a feast for all the ladies. And, and while he called for her, she said, no, I ain't coming. Now, there, obviously, there's some family issues going on there. How have you know that? And the king wanted her to come in her crown and all her beautiful robes to show her off of how pretty she was. Now, you know, a 180-day party at some point in time, he was probably a little bit inebriated. I'm going to show all my wife. Come on, Vashti or whatever your name is. Come on down here, and I'm going to show you off. And she said, I ain't coming. No. Now, that infuriated the king, and he went to his wise men and said, how should I respond? which that was a pretty good wise guy by asking others, but he didn't ask, he should have asked wise women how to respond instead of wise men how to respond. Here's what they said in Esther 117, for the queen's behavior will become known to all women so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes. And they report King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she did not come. In other words, this is going to spread, king, so let's stop it now. And the way he stopped it was he removed her from being queen. Doesn't tell us what he did with her, but he removed her from being queen. And that's where our story really begins today. Remember how big the empire was from, from Ethiopia, northern Africa, all the way over to India? The king put out a decree, I want you to go and find the most beautiful women, and I'm going to pick one to be my queen. What were the odds in an empire that size of you being quick picked as queen? A million to one, 10 million to one, 100 million to one. The odds weren't good, but it happened. And a young woman in this vast kingdom named Esther was chosen to be the next queen. Now, the story could have ended right there very easily, and they lived happily ever after. But in reality, that's where the story begins. Now, just like most Hollywood movies, this story has a villain. It has a mentor, and it has a hero. In this case, a heroine. The villain is a man by the name of Haman. The Bible describes him as a typical power-seeking, self-indulging, narcissistic, grade-A villain, much like many of the politicians today. <laughs> Haman is in a position as a close counselor to the king. And then we have the mentor, the one who had watched over the, the heroine and trained her and, and counsels her. His name could be Yoda, but it's not. It's Mordecai. He was a relative of Esther, and when her parents died, he raised her and, and took care of her. Then comes the problem. Haman didn't like Mordecai. Mordecai was a Jew. Haman didn't like him. Because when Haman would walk by the gates in towards the king's palace, everybody would get up and, oh, it's Haman, Haman. Oh, Haman, 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 Haman. Except Mordecai. He just sat there watching, checking out his Facebook, not paying any attention and ignoring him. This infuriated Haman. So he came up with a plot to kill all the Jews, talked to the king about it, talked the king into it, and the king signs a decree that all Jews in the kingdom will be slaughtered. And then Haman built some gallows to hang Mordecai on. But you see, he didn't know that Esther, the queen, was Jewish, and neither did the king. And that brings us to one of the most often quoted statements in the Bible. Now, one minor thing before you look at that statement. One minor detail. No one was allowed to approach the king, not even the queen, unless he summoned them. And if somebody walked into the inner court where the king was without being invited, 
And he didn't stretch out his golden scepter to them, to, to, which was symbolic of you're welcome to come in. They would be executed, including the queen. So if Esther approached the king without an invitation, she could have been executed. Esther 4, 13 through 14 says this. After this decree was signed where all the Jews would be killed, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace that you'll escape when all of the Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at this time, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps, here it is, you you were made queen for such a time as this. You see, Esther was born for such a time as this, and so are you. I've heard so many people complain about the times that we lived in. Oh, I wish I'd have lived back in my parents' time, and I wish we weren't living through this time. And whine and complain and complain and whine. I don't like it either. I don't like the stuff that's going on in America and around the world right now, and I'm not deceived by it either. I think I have a pretty good handle of what's going on. I don't like it at all, but what I know is I was born shaped in my mother's womb for such a time as this. God doesn't need Noah today, doesn't need Moses today, doesn't need the 12 disciples today. He doesn't need Esther today. He needs you. He created you for such a time as this. She was chosen to be queen because of God's divine guidance and positioning. Oh, she was beautiful. She was all that. But God gave her that to be in the position that she was in. See, God knew that Haman, what Haman was going to do before Haman was born. Haman built, before long, long before he built the gallows for Mordecai, God was positioning Esther to defeat his plan. And we look around today and say, oh, Jesus, the devil is winning. Oh, no, shut up. No, he's not. Be a real Christian. Read your Bible. God never leads from behind. He always leads from ahead. He always needs the plan of the devil, and he always thwarts the plans of the devil. You see, what's he going to do? I don't know. The rapture could be one choice. I, I don't know. That could be one he could pick out of his wallet. Just rapture us all out, you know, defeat the devil that way. God always has a plan. He always has people in positions. They don't even know. Fifteen years ago, God knew that this church needed a massive building program. God knew that we were going to go back to the property that we came to here. Do you know that I was preaching up here many years ago, and Dr. Morocco called me and said, I want you to go look at this building in Wasilla and tell me what you think. And the pastor at that time drove me to this spot right here. I looked it over. I called the doctor back, and I said, you need to buy it. It'll push you ahead five years. It'll advance the church five years if you'll do it. They bought it. They sold that. A few years ago, Pastor Daniel calls us, guess what? The property out here is for sale again that we moved from, and here's the price. What do you think we should do? Should we buy it? I said, if you don't, I'm going to. But God knew that it would take somebody that wouldn't give up, bend, bend, bow, or burn to push this thing through to get it done, So, and that's you too, so that we could reach Alaska. Because Alaska will be saved. There's record growth in the Matsu Valley. People are fleeing Anchorage. People are fleeing everywhere, coming to Alaska. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, God knew that when he planted this church. God knew that when they sent them here. I'm telling you, God has a plan. All you got to do is be sensitive to it and get in his plan and stay there. Oh, what's going to happen? I don't know, but God does. And we look around our world today as spinning out of control in almost every way, including morally, 
frustration, fear, and a sense of hopelessness grows. But let me remind you, just as Esther was born for her time, we are born from this time. God never leads from the rear. He always leads from the front. Before the devil's plans are public, God already has an answer and a solution. Just as Esther was born, so are we. So if I was born for such a time as this, what should I do? Number one, don't make an excuse, make a difference. Say it with me. Don't make an excuse, make a difference. When Mordecai first asked Esther to go to the king, she made an excuse. Now, it was a good excuse. He'll kill me if I go there. But it was an excuse. Esther 4.11, all the king's officials and even all the people in the province, all everybody knows that anyone who appears before the king in the inner court without be, being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. Now, you've got to remember, this was an orphan girl. I mean, she lived on what little that, that Mordecai could supply to her. But now, she's in the palace. She is the queen. She has the finest foods that are available on planet Earth. Her dresses and gowns are made out of the, the most expensive silk and satin, whatever they had her that day and time. And whatever she wanted, she could have a new wardrobe every day if she wanted it. She, she had multiple servants to wait on her day and night. As the old saying goes, this gal had it made in the shade. And now what, what Mordecai's asking her to do is to put it all on the line. Put all of that on the line. You see, Esther was in the palace, but that was not her purpose. Her purpose, yes, she was queen, but her purpose wasn't queen. Her purpose was delivering her people. Her position was queen. You see, you may have a position where you are. You may have a business. Uh, you, you may have, uh, you're working at a job somewhere. I've had people come up to me before and say, Pastor, pray for me to get a new job. Nobody in my whole place where I work is saved. They're all lost. I say, excuse me, perhaps that's your position but your purpose there is to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and help to win those people. That's your mission field right there. Yeah, but I don't like it. Well, get over it. Go to Lowe's, buy a ladder, and get over it. Accept your purpose. Pray for them. Are you praying for them every day? What are you doing to reach them? And then I counsel them in that respect of what can you do? What is your purpose? You've got a position. Everybody has a position. But what is your purpose in that? Her purpose not, was not just to live in the palace, but to have influence in the palace. God positioned her for one task, to defeat the wicked plans of Haman. What have you been positioned for? See, it's God who gave you your job, your resources, your education, your influence. Well, I worked hard at it. Yeah, but God enabled you to do that. It's God that gave you this church, your ministry opportunity. And it's God who has opened the opportunities for you to live an abundant life. And He didn't place you and I where we are to eat grapes all day long and put pictures of ourselves on social media. He's placed us where we are because He knows that in our lifetime, 
we will battle, uh, we will have a battle that will be of seismic proportions against the moral fiber of society. He knew you and I would live in a time of the greatest spiritual warfare, I believe, since the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that's ever been on planet Earth. I believe we're living in that time right now. And you may say, well, what can I do? Well, the answer is you can, number one, live by convictions, not preferences. Preferences changed by the day. There are people that live by preferences. Well, I, 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 I prefer a Dr. Pepper, but a Coke will do. Oh, no, 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 no. Not if you have a conviction about Dr. Pepper's, I'm telling you. And Mr. Pibb won't do either. That's a cheap fake. That's a knockoff that won't work. you gotta, you got to pick a horse and ride it. I mean, you've got to have conviction in your life. Don't bend or bow or be deceived. Someone's recently said what you watch on TV is called a program for a reason. Because it has been designed to program you, psychologically change you, and the way you view, view reality. Live by convictions based on the Word of God. Number two, love by faith. People aren't the problem. Satan is. People are deceived. I, I mean, intelligent, academically well-trained people. People that are trained in the world are deceived by what's going on in the world today. The Bible says at the end times the elect will be deceived. And I used to think, well, that'd be just two or three folks. Oh, no. No, no, that's a lot of folks. I see people that have mega ministries that are deceived today of what's going on. Don't be deceived. Love by faith. Someone once said, truth sounds like hate to those who hate truth. The second thing is listen by your spirit. Now, this is critical. This, this is where we live in a time where Christian light is not going to work anymore. Christianettes, Christian light. Okay, let me clue you in. You ever heard of Bud Light? Huh? Whatever else they have? Yeah, it's a light beer. Less filling. Tastes great. They say, less filling. That's Christianity light. That's Christian light. Oh, it tastes great, but it's less filling. It's, the time is over for that. The time is for people to stand up, to live by the Spirit of God, to get connected with the Holy Spirit and the God instead of the ungodly spirit of this world. You can't mix the two. It's to get filled with the Spirit of God and live in sensitivity to the Spirit of God in our everyday lives, in your home, your family, your schools, in your church, in every way. You know, either get, get in or get out, get on or get off, get hot or stay cold. It's, you're not, you're not going to make it through in this season by Christianity light. You're going to have to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and be all in and commit to it. Jesus said in John 14, 26, the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. So we got to live by convictions. we got to love by faith. We have to listen by your spirit. And then we need to learn by wisdom. Don't be deceived by the devil's lies. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And while you're at it, get some understanding, it says. Here's another one. Loose the power of God through prayer. Now, this is a praying church. I know that. Prayer is a powerful weapon. If you don't have a consistent prayer life, get one. Start today. Because without consistent communication with the giver of truth, we're an easy target for deception. That's why so many people, even in spiritual leadership positions, are being deceived. 
I, I don't want to be critical. I'm not judging anybody because I'm not calling their name. But in general, what that says to me, you do not have an effective prayer life. Because if you had an effective prayer life, you wouldn't be deceived by the nonsense that's going on. You'd be sensitive to the Holy Spirit showing you to have understanding. Here's the second one. Don't lose your why. This is so important. Or you will lose your way. Don't lose your why. Why am I here? Did you know that statistics say that right now 1,500 or more ministers of the gospel are leaving the ministry every month? It was 1,200. It's escalated. You know why? Because they've lost a grip on why they became a minister to begin with. They've lost their grip on why they're there. Circumstances, stress, struggles, problems, situations, all those kind of things. The battle of life has caught their attention. They're like Peter walking on the water toward Jesus, and he got his eyes off of Jesus on the waves and the wind, and he began to sink in the water. You know what? When he stepped out of the boat, there were waves and wind. He just had his eyes on Jesus. You know what? He stepped out. He knew why he was stepping out, because he was walking to Jesus. When he lost his why, he lost his way. Esther 4, 13 through 14 says this. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in a palace, you'll escape this. He goes on to say, if you keep quiet at this time, deliverance will come from another way, but you'll die. Who knows? If you were made queen for such a time as this, what was Mordecai doing? He was reminding Esther of her why. Girlfriend, this is why you're in the palace. It's not there for you to look cool and look good and be on the cover of all the girl magazines. You're in the palace to defeat Haman. That's what you're there for. That's your why, girl. And we need to remind ourselves of our why every now and then. Why am I here? Why has God given me what I have? Because when you lose your why, you will lose your way. Same thing in a marriage, same thing with children, same thing in a job or career in anything. Esther was faced with a choice to play it safe or fulfill her purpose. Now, to fulfill her purpose meant that she was willing to sacrifice it all and put it all on the line. Everybody shout all in. All in. Have you ever watched on TV these, these, they got this poker game going? And it's high stakes, and there's a guy on this side, and you see his cards, and a guy on this side, and his cards, and, and this guy on this side says, I'm going to bet it all, and he pushes it in there. And the guy on this side says, I'm in too. Here's all it. Push it all up there, all in. But sometimes you got to put every chip on the table. There's sometimes where it's like it's like that army that in, in history that, where they sailed to the, to, the, to the foreign land, and they burned their boats. They got on shore and they burned their boats, burned the ships. There's a gospel song that uses that now in contemporary music. Burn the ships. What is it saying? <laughs> we're here to win. Okay, we don't win, we're going to die right here. So we're here to win. We don't, we don't have a retreat plan. You've got to get that in your heart and your life. Listen, we could cut down on divorces if couples would determine, I'm here to win. I ain't giving up or giving in. We're going to make it happen. Oh, I know there's circumstances sometimes where, because two, both of them's got to have that, okay? If one of them don't have it, I realize you can't make them do it. That's why she was there. When you don't know your why, everything else, when you know your why, everything else becomes clear. But here's the last one I want to give you. Don't forget, preparation precedes purpose. Esther 4, 15 through 16. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. 
Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or night. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, oh, I could camp there for a minute. Though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. But what does she do? She just didn't get up and run in there in her nightgown and say, King, King, I got to talk to you about something. No, she said, we're going to prepare. We're going to prepare. There's a preparation time for every battle. For every battle, there's a preparation time. That's a whole other message. And they fasted and prayed for three days. And once Esther realized her purpose and understood her why, she then had to prepare to show up. Esther 5, 1 through 2. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and she entered the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. Here it is. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the inner court, he welcomed her. Have you know God was working on that end too? We just think, God, well, God's working on my end and he's hoping things will work out. No, he's working on every end. He's, 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 if he told you to go through a door, he's going to open it when you get there. He welcomed her, held out his golden scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you even up to half of my kingdom. Now, how big was the kingdom? 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. She could have said, well, how about India? I can't fathom. I've been to India many, many, many times. I can't fathom that. But here's something that we miss. We read right on through that. It's like some flippant thing that he throws out. What would you like to have, girl? I'll give it to you up to half my kingdom. I'm feeling good today. What we don't realize that this was a last-ditch effort by Satan to keep her from her purpose. Because she could have said, uh, really? Uh, you've never offered me that before. You brought me roses. Uh, I got the new Beamer out there. Um, got the latest iPhone. But half the kingdom? Hmm. Now, what was it I was here for? I think half the kingdom? Really? <laughs> really, girl. <laughs> it's a generous day. We're going to get this offer again. You, you see, many times when we're right on the verge of fulfilling our purpose in life, the enemy will bring something in to get us off of our purpose. And, and it's usually something good. That's what Satan said to Eve in the garden. Oh, it's okay. When you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. He was offering her something that sounded really good. And that's the deception. 10 or 11 years ago in our church, um, not 10 years ago, we had, we had a situation. Now, this week, Rose and I have been where we are uh, 30 years, 30 years, 30 years. We came there as a church of about 200. Uh, it's now a church of about 2,500 with four different locations there in the heartland. And um, God's done a much wonderful things there, but about 10 years 
ago, I had a situation where it challenged our leadership, and it came out of our staff, and it challenged our leadership there, and somebody else on my staff thought they should be the pastor of Capers. And, uh, but also during that time, I saw it coming. I saw the storm clouds. God gave me a prophetic word for the staff, and I, I shared it with them, that there was jealousy here, and that God's going to give you a time to repent. If you don't repent, you need to update your resume. This was in January because if not, you, you're, you're not going to be at this table at the end of the year, and God's going to give you a season to repent. And my goal is my prayer is that you'll repent. And they didn't repent. At the end of that year, 11 full-time staff were not at that table. It was a super challenging year, but before, before the lightning hit and the rains began to pour and the storm hit, I got a call from another church. Now, as a younger pastor, I got a lot of calls. We'd like for you to come try. We'd like for you to come pastor our church. They even seen packets in with all their overhead, the views of everything, and, and it, just, it, was, it was interesting. But when you get a certain age, it's like, no. And I'd pass that age. It'd been a while. But this headhunter called me, a guy that's looking you to fill positions in. That's his business, to find ministry. And he, he was a good friend of mine. I helped him start his ministry. He said, Pastor Gary, there's this church, and they've gone through a lot, and, and I think you'd be per They're looking for somebody like you. They need somebody that's seasoned, somebody that can come in and take the church and get it up and going in. Well, I knew the church. I'd watched its pastor on TV years ago when I was a real young guy. It was a well-known church in, in America in the southern in the lower 48. And uh, it, it, he had retired, and then he later on passed away, and they had two different pastors, and thing, it went from 5,000 down to about 1,200. The last pastor had a moral failure. And now they're in this situation, and they're trying to get a grip on things, and they, 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 need, they want a season. We, I, I, I thought, oh, Jesus, this is my reward. You're going to take me to a large city where there's hundreds of thousands of people, a million or two, and you're going to take me there, and you're going to let me finish up my ministry there. And, and a lot, you're going to thank you, Jesus. Oh, this is... I went out there and met with them. I walked through the sanctuary and prayed. All 5,000, 5,200-seat sanctuary. They had a four-story office complex paid for. Everything was paid for. School, Jim, any kind of building you'd want, paid for. And plenty of ground to off the interstate, right off the interstate, to build more if you wanted to. And they had $4 million in the bank. Two million more coming from the city that tore up a water line, an insurance thing. They said, we got two more million more coming. So we should have about six million in the bank, Pastor, when you get here. Oh, that was God. I mean, how many of you know there's some things you don't have to pray about? You just have a witness on the side. Oh, that's Jesus. Oh, I feel the anointing right now. Hallelujah. Mm, I'm getting the spirit on six million. Mm. And, you know, I looked at that by faith. I thought, God, you, if you bless us here, we could have this church up to 10,000 in five years. It's very doable in the city. But after two weeks of praying about it, it was no. Okay. 
If you want me to be in a cotton patch down here in southeast, we call it Swamp East Missouri, if you want me to be in a cotton patch and speaking on a street corner, that's what I'll do if that's what you want. If that's my position and that's my purpose, that's where I want to be. And I said, if we die right here in this church, then that's what we'll do. Ten years later, we're setting record attendance at our church. We have the best staff that we've ever had. Young, sharp staff, the best, four locations. I mean, it's the best. It's the great. It's, 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 you know, I know this is, this is the second best church that I know of. It is the best church in the world. Why? Because I didn't allow that last minute, I'll give you half the kingdom, boy. I'll give you a place, and you'll be you'll have a national ministry. You'll be on TV all across America. You'll have this. You'll, you'll, boy, everything you've ever thought of, you'll have that, son. Don't ever let, don't ever let that last minute diversion keep you. I have seen it happen so many times in pastors' lives. Miss it. I've seen some of my staff miss it. I've seen people in business. I've seen people in life miss it. They just miss it because they got this little offer over here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, you know, it's getting tough, and I just feel like the Lord. Can I talk about that just for a second? I know the thing says plus or minus two minutes. Um, when all is said and done, you got to show up. Okay? You just got to show up. You just got to be there. But it's it's hard. Well, if you spent most of your life playing video games, I know it's hard to get out and do something, all right? I know that. But I grew up on a farm. I had to get up and feed every morning before I had breakfast and catch the bus at 6.30 and then come home and do it again. I'm not whining and complaining. I thank God for being raised in a situation like that because I learned how to work and how to get up and get it done and show up. You know, that's one of the reasons 1,500 ministers are quitting because a lot of them don't want to just get up and show up and put in the work. Nobody's applauding me. Nobody's telling me how wonderful I am, patting me on the back. Well, all of those things are lies anyway. One day you're a hero. The next day you're zero. Both of them are lies, okay? You need to grasp hold of your purpose or what God's called you to do and just do it. Just show up and do it. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Just do it. I get so tired. Good. That means at least you're doing something. All right, I have to stop right now. Two questions to ask yourself. What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? What is God saying to me right now? And what am I going to do about it? teenagers here today. What's God saying to me about this and what am I going to do about it? You're, you're living in a day and age, you're facing stuff that we didn't even know was, was stuff. But God put you here for such a time as this. I, I'm, not, I'm not fearful for you, I'm faithful for you. Because God put you here for such a time as this. We're all here for such a time as this. How many of you here today would just jump to your feet in a second when I count to three if you say, you know what, I'm going to accept that challenge. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to whine and complain much. I, I'm, I'm, going to, well, I'm giving you a little leeway there, okay? I, I, I'm not going to do it much, as much as I have. 
I'm, I'm, going, I'm, going to, I'm going to accept the challenge that I was born for such a time as this. i got a purpose right now. I'm going to quit whining. I'm going to fulfill my purpose. That's what I'm going to do. If that's you, one, two, three, jump to your feet right now all over this building, and we're going to pray together. We're going to believe God together right now. We're going to make a declaration this morning. Job 22, 28 says, if you will declare a thing, it will be established for you. you got to, sometimes you just got to stand up and declare some things in your life. Like I'm going to live and not die and declare the word of the Lord. That I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. Well, it don't look like it. Well, why don't you start declaring it over your life? Because nobody else is going to. You've got to do it for you. Put your hand over your heart. Eyes wide open. Just declare this. I was born for such a time as this. God has put gifts and talents and abilities in me. He's positioned me for such a time as this. I accept my assignment. I accept my why. And I'm going to do what God calls me to do. Be what God calls me to be. And have what God calls me to have. Because God's word is truth. And the devil's word is a lie. If, now, if you really believe that, give God your greatest prayer shout this morning. We bless you, Lord. Esther said, I'm going before the king. And if I die, I die. I believe God's raising up army Cesar you kill me you kill me but I'm going to die doing the will of God I'm going to die in my purpose if you kill me I'm going to heaven so guess who wins thank you for joining today's podcast if God is impacting your life through this ministry you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com also Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.